Welcome to the Horsewise Podcast with Lynn Reardon, where we share stories of horses and people and what they teach each other. On today's episode, I compare my experiences with two groups of horse owners, the nice ladies versus the macho cowboys. I hope you enjoy the show and have a wonderful day. Hi everyone, I'm Lynn Reardon, the host of the podcast and head coach at Horsewise. Today I would like to talk to you about two different groups of individuals that often are seen as the exact opposite of each other. And those two categories are nice ladies versus macho cowboys. And I know on the surface you would say, wow, those two groups have nothing in common. But I actually have seen in my experience quite a bit of shared characteristics between these two groups. And it kind of breaks down to, in my mind, that they are, instead of being diametrically opposed to each other, that they are actually flips of the same coin. But that's a little bit for all of you to decide who are listening. So I get to pontificate here on my microphone and enjoy sharing my opinions. There's nobody here uh, sitting with me Uh, opposing me or arguing with me. So take this podcast episode with a grain of salt and then let me know how, how you see these two categories after you've listened to the entire episode. So let's break it down the way that I characterize nice ladies versus macho cowboys. So for the category of nice ladies, I would say that these are ladies who are obviously, well, they're women. Uh, They love their horses. That's what they say all the time. They lavish their horses with tons of attention, body work, the finest blankets, the best feed, excellent veterinary care. They will tell you that the horses are the center of their life. You know, they may be the type of people who dote again on their horse, just fuss over them in every way possible. Um, I've known many of these individuals and it's impressive. Like if you go to look at their collection of grooming tools or the kind of tack or equipment or blankets that they have, it is truly impressive. And, and they are genuinely nice people. They're courteous people. Um, very, again, just loving toward their horse in every way is how they would describe themselves. And that certainly you know, the impression that they would give. But many times their horses tend to have similar issues. I've seen a lot of nice ladies, in fact, I would say a preponderance of nice ladies who have horses that are pushy or horses that have ulcers or horses that are perhaps nervous or spooky under saddle. I've seen that quite often. Now, sometimes that may happen because the nice lady has a trainer who's maybe not so nice, who perhaps has talked them into buying a horse with a good personality, but who's maybe not suitable for that nice lady or who perhaps have some behavioral issues. It can be um, a scenario in the professional training world where, you know, it's great if you have a client who has a horse that, let's say, performs really well in the show ring, but might be a little bit nervous, so needs a trainer to keep keep the horse tuned up. Now, I'm not saying every trainer does this. I'm just saying that you see that fairly often. Fortunately, most of the trainers that I've worked with closely would never do that. You know, they're, they're kind of high in integrity. But that could be one reason that nice ladies have a preponderance of horses that perhaps have a little bit of behavioral issue, whether pushiness or spookiness or whatever it might be. 
And let's hone in on that subcategory of nice ladies who have horses that either have again, certain kinds of health issues, perhaps a lot of ulcers, or have maybe, again, certain behavioral issues, pushiness on the ground, um, maybe very difficult to work with under saddle. So in that subset of nice ladies, again, the ones that have horses that are displaying these kinds of issues, what are some of the characteristics maybe that I have seen that they share in common? And one of them can be a pretty, pretty strong set of opinions about why their horses have those issues. Some of those opinions are accurate and many of them are not. And those opinions, when you break them down, the ones that are not accurate are almost always based heavily on emotion rather than on data, rather on maybe a more neutral objective look at what's going on with the horse. So if you have, let's say you're a nice lady and you have a horse who's very pushy on the ground, at the same time, you may insist that your horse is not pushy because you know that people are just miscategorizing him, don't understand how really sweet he is, that sometimes he just doesn't mean to be overly affectionate. These are the kinds of things that you might hear someone who owns a horse like that say in the nice lady category. So again, very nice, very supportive of the horse, but also probably at the same time, inappropriately treat feeding. And by that, I mean feeding the treats in a way that, that encourages the horse to be pushy. There are certainly many ways to feed treats that don't encourage a horse to be pushy, but there are also probably more ways <laughs> to feed a horse inappropriately with treats that does make them pushy. So it takes a lot of uh, thought and care to feed horse, horses treats in a way that is supportive and proper and kind of based on science. So where I'm going with this is that, so there's emotion about, well, what the horse is actually doing is not actually what the horse is doing in the mind of the owner. And it's all based again on emotion and feelings. Now, the difficulty with that is that no matter how nice the person is, if they are holding on to an opinion about a horse based on their emotions, that means that when you present them with information that is in opposition, to what their belief is, their emotional belief is, you will get a lot of emotion back. So you will get a very vehement denial of the information that you've presented. You might get anger from the nice lady who's suddenly maybe not so nice because there's a lot of maybe self-image, a lot of even worldview wrapped up in the nice lady's understanding opinion about what is going on with their horse. So in other words, it's almost impossible to help that person find the right information or the right tools to help the horse change in a more positive way. If you accept the new tools or the new data and you recognize, hey, something here needs to change, that almost always going to require that the owner make some changes themselves, herself. And that's also where you kind of get the tip off of which category of nice lady are you dealing with, uh, because there will be a lot of pushback about changing anything as well. It's going to then become the horse's fault, or it's going to become the fault of the person, whether it's a veterinarian, a trainer, a farrier, a clinician, who pointed out the more accurate data and contradicted what the emotional viewpoint was of the horse's behavior on the part of the nice lady owner. So that's one category of, of nice lady uh, owners. The another category that I'll see a lot of times with nice lady owners is that 
they are, again, this is a subcategory of nice ladies who have horses that are having behavioral or physical issues that keep recurring. And one of the other things you can see with a slightly different type of nice lady personality is that they are a bit of a pushover. And so they will allow multiple trainers to tell them what to do. They might be very fickle about who they listen to, what uh, videos they watch, what courses they take, what clinics they go to, uh, which veterinary theory they ascribe to. And they can end up, in a sense, not really ever standing up for their horse. So they... It starts maybe with a lack of confidence in themselves, but ultimately what it becomes is a little bit of an addiction to, quote, being nice, which means being irresponsible, because I'm so nice, I can't possibly, you know, contradict my trainer or contradict my uh, farrier or my body worker. And so you, in a sense, get a free pass on having those difficult conversations, again, changing things that you might not want to change about how you ride or about how you take care of your horse or the kind of environment that the horse is in. And you, in a sense, throw your horse under the bus. Now, no one's walking around going, hey, I'm going to throw my horse under the bus in this setting. But again, by being so nice that you never really take the stand that you need to take for your horse. And I'm not talking about being angry or having hostile interactions, but where you really sort of step up and say, this is what I think is going on and I'd like to explore this and I'm going to take responsibility for that, even if it means some uncomfortable conversations. You know, that, that is kind of what I'm talking about. It can also mean that a nice lady might have to make the decision that a horse isn't right for her and then take the very carefully measured responsible approach of finding that horse a new home, which wouldn't involve just taking it to auction or giving it away to somebody. Not, not that I'm saying everybody does this, but again, if somebody decides that a horse isn't right for them, kind of using logic and doing it in a way that has integrity and ethics, that should carry over into how the horse is rehomed that it isn't rehomed impulsively, the quote, just get rid of it kind of uh, approach. And so that's another thing I would look at with the nice lady owners. Again, nice ladies, subset, have horses with behavioral or physical issues that are consistent, or it's been a pattern throughout their lives. Every horse that they've had has had a behavioral or a physical issue. This kind of what is going on under the surface there is what I'm looking at with those nice lady owners. Now, going to the flip side and picking on the macho cowboys for a while. So macho cowboys is sort of a derogatory term, right? It could mean anything from just a genuinely outdoorsy masculine guy who works professionally as a cowboy and who's a good horseman to the stereotype of, you know, the kind of wild ass cowboy who beats his horses and puts them up sweaty and wet and doesn't care about them and is very rough and harsh. So it's a little bit of a misnomer, just like nice lady, right? There's lots of genuinely nice ladies out there. And I'm just kind of putting my characterization on those terms. But let's say for the, the, the purpose of this podcast, the macho cowboy is somebody who's kind of rough, who isn't super sensitive about their horse's needs. Uh, what they tend to produce over time is horses that are very shut down, who are very obedient, but who are also, you know, under the surface, terrified to even think or to lift their head or to, uh, in, in any way, look the person up for support and assistance. 
And typically, most people would say, hey, the macho cowboy, that, that's going to be the worst deal for the horse. They're going to be really rough on their horses. But I would also just say on the flip side of that, that um, if you're talking about a real cowboy, and by a real cowboy, I mean somebody who makes their living as a cowboy out on a ranch, as opposed to just sort of a macho yahoo who puts on, you know, the Yellowstone hat and goes out and yanks his horse around in a curb bit. I'm talking about an actual cowboy. They certainly may be very uh, taciturn. They may be very, uh, you know, misogynistic. If, if you're looking at sort of superficial conversational banter or whatever, these guys aren't going to be the most touchy-feely, right? Uh, I, I would just say that the doing a job with a horse that produces shutdown horses, it could be possibly that the macho cowboy is less macho and just somewhat unenlightened. And because there are so many of the, the, the major clinicians out there who have advocated for the horse in a big way, who you could characterize as macho cowboys. So obviously Ray Hunt, I mean, he was sort of the epitome of a macho cowboy. You know, nobody would ever say that Ray Hunt was effeminate, right? He was very, if you've ever met Ray Hunt, he was very masculine. Um, and he also is somebody who could be incredibly sensitive with a horse that required that, that needed that. And he was very much somebody who had been a working cowboy, and he did his best to teach other working cowboys that they could get a good performance out of their horse in terms of doing a job out on the ranch without having to make them shut down, without having to run over their feelings, the horse's feelings, without having to just do it the way that they'd always done it, the way their fathers had done it or their grandfathers had done it. So that was one of his major contributions. And then there's there's a bunch of other guys, you know, that we could talk about, you know, that, that everybody knows who are famous. So um, for me, Macho Cowboy doesn't automatically have the sting. I don't really, I haven't seen too many people in that category, too many men in that category who are actual working cowboys who are complete butchers with a horse. I'm sure they're out there. They probably just don't hang out where I do, right? I've probably been fortunate in that the more masculine type cowboys I've encountered have actually been good horsemen. Now, from the perspective of some of the nice ladies, those cowboys might seem very inappropriately macho. They will set a strong boundary with a horse. Uh, they will say it's for safety. They also will believe that it's good for a horse to do a job, and they will expect the horse to do a job to sort of carry their end of the bargain, so to speak. This is not maybe how most nice ladies, again, the ones that I have described in this podcast, see their horses. They may see their horses as... Um, for their pleasure. They may see that their horses should not be overly worked. They may also feel like, um, the idea of asking a horse to do anything for us, that that's somehow inappropriate or against the right of the horse to just exist alongside of us. But most of the men that I've met who would fit the category of macho cowboy were, uh, individuals who maybe were involved with local rodeo or, maybe had uh, smaller cattle ranches and they didn't really understand the sensitivity of the horse. So I had an experience one time with a horse that had been evacuated from a fire situation. Fortunately, the fire did not hit our property, but we didn't know that at the time that we had to evacuate. And a uh, nice local, is basically the local uh, rodeo team came out and was helping people with their horses when they ran out of trailer space. So I only had enough room in my trailer for a certain number of horses and they heard my call for help and they came out, they had a giant trailer and they picked up a couple of horses from my place and took them to the local fairgrounds. 
one of those horses, a, a mare, she got pretty troubled there. Uh, she got hurt. Uh, she was kicking out over the fence and got hurt. So they called me to come, come bring her and pick her up. And I wanted to, of course, take her to the vet right away. So when I got there, there was a, a cadre of macho cowboys who wanted to help me load her because she was very, very reluctant to get on a trailer. She was very strung out the fairgrounds with all the different horses. It was very traumatic for her. She hadn't been with us very long. We didn't know her super well. And so it was pretty clear as I was leading her to the trailer that it was going to be, you know, not the smoothest loading process, right? And so all these macho cowboys came over and uh, they're like, ma'am, we can help you. Just give us the lead rope. You know, there I am in my little gap jeans, not exactly looking like the most rugged individual <laughs> to be on the fairgrounds. And they're really, they're trying to help me, okay? They're, they really are trying to help me. And, um, and they're like, man, we've got brooms, we've got uh, butt ropes, we've got a chain, uh, lip chain, you know, we can get her in the trailer for you. And I'm like, I, hey, I appreciate the offer. I would like to do this a little different way. Um, and if I can't get it done, I, I'm glad to know that there's people who want to help, which is my very courteous way of saying thanks, but no thanks. Now, I was not rude. I was not um, hostile because I could see that they genuinely wanted to help, right? So, uh, so they kind of grumbled. They thought I was, you know, a little crazy for not taking their help and, you know, their butt ropes and, and lift chains and all the things they had. And they kind of wandered off. And, uh, and then a cadre of nice ladies came over to see if I needed help. Uh, one of them uh, wanted to read the mayor's chakras, which, you know, uh, from my perspective, probably wasn't going to be the most useful thing, but I appreciated that she wanted to help. Another one wanted to do body work, which again, in some circumstances might've been helpful. Today was not the day for that though. You could kind of see that wasn't going to be effective at the moment. Um, another one really wanted me to let her lead the horse in. She was an animal communicator and she really, uh, felt like she was hooked on to this mare and she had a lot of, uh, theory about how, she could intuit what the mare really needed. And, um, you know, I wasn't seeing that right away from the basic approach. So I was like, no, thank you. I really appreciate it. I said basically the same thing to, to this group of women that I did to the macho cowboys. And uh, what was really interesting to me is that the macho cowboys, you know, again, they thought I was maybe being foolish and they really wanted to help. And they were kind of taking the position of, well, you know, she doesn't quite know what's good for her, but we'll, we'll, we'll stick around in case she needs us. But the cadre of nice ladies, you know, they got really angry with me. They were really offended that I didn't want to take their help. And they got emotional about it, not screaming at me, nothing, nothing like that. But there was a lot of, you know, shade thrown, so to speak, a lot of pointed comments kind of uh, flicked in my direction and very much the sense of, you know, I have messed up by not accepting their advice. Now, granted, this is a situation where there's a lot of, um, uh, concern for the mayor. There's a lot of pressure. She was injured. I needed to get her to the vet. Um, but the mayor's emotionality was quite high. And in that moment, I realized that for me, I would take the macho cowboys kind of grumbling, but essentially respecting my wishes and, and, and allowing me to do it. In other words, not, not putting pressure on me to the nice ladies with their emotionality, which only seemed to heighten the situation for the mayor. So both groups offered help that was not super useful, 
that was very much predicated on their beliefs about how horses should be handled and showed both their strengths and weaknesses. Uh, but one group stepped away when I asked politely to be given some space to work with the horse on my own, and the other group did not. And it's pretty surprising to me how uh, if I told that story and didn't tell you which group was which, you would probably would have assumed that it was the macho cowboys who got angry. So for me, in a sense, both of these groups have a lot in common in that their uh, mindset, their experience levels can make them pretty uh, fixed in their ideas. But at the end of the day, I would rather work with a group that will allow me the space to make my own mistakes and who will not get emotionally as emotionally upset because I really think at the end of the day, the thing that maybe troubles horses the most is when we get really upset, even if we hide it. And so that is my kind of take on the nice ladies versus macho cowboys comparison for the sake of this podcast episode. I hope you've enjoyed my highly unobjective and completely non-scholarly or non-scientific analysis of this subject. I certainly enjoyed sharing it, and uh, I really enjoyed when I sat down to write up the notes for this podcast, remembering some of the individuals I had encountered in both of those categories, most of whom at the end of the day are good people who only want the best for their horses. As always, thank you for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day. If you are a nice lady or a macho cowboy and you would like more information on my workshops and online coaching services, please drop me an email at horsewisecoach at iCloud.com.